Man, good morning, Friendship Church. Good to see you. Week four of Christ Encounters is this week. I've loved this series. It is one-on-one conversations with Jesus. We're going through the Gospels and several different one-on-one conversations that Jesus had with different people. And then we've been able to have um, some testimonies of people that had their own one-on-one conversations. And so it's been great to hear those and, and to see what God is doing in people's lives here at Friendship. Not just 2,000 years ago, God is still moving today. How many of you know that? God is still moving today. And so we are thankful for that. And so we are looking, um, we're going to have another, another um, a story today and then another testimony of someone here today. And then, once again, a chance for you to have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. I believe that the church should be fun Think that we should have fun at church. This past weekend was a great example of that. Us, us guys, we had a good time at the shooting range, I think. Most of us did. And then um, and the night before, we had, we had a couple's game night where the, the men were victorious. Um, and so that's always, oh, well, that's how I remembered it at least, is, it, that, that we won. But, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, at church, you're supposed to have fun with the people that you go to church with. Um, and so I want church to be fun, but I also want to come with an expectation of the presence and the power of God. The presence of the power of God is why we're here. That is what changes lives, and I want my life changed. I know that you want your life changed for the better and to see what God has for us. That's what we're looking for here today is the presence and the power of God. There's an old um, English joke years and years ago. Um, there was a, an Irishman who was walking through the countryside, and he was on his way to London, and, and so he stumbles upon a, a, an English farmer, and so he says, hey, I'm trying to get to London. How do I get there from here? And, and he says, well, if that's where you're wanting to go, I wouldn't start from here. That's the end of the joke. You can laugh if you want to. It's, it's not my joke. It's, it's their joke, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> if that's where you're wanting to go, I wouldn't start here, <laughs> Okay. The problem is, everybody has to start somewhere, okay? Everybody's got to start somewhere. And life, believe it or not, is not exactly like the Olympic Games, where everybody has the same starting line, everybody has the the same nourishment patterns and and the same training, and and they know exactly where the finish line is. It's 100 yards away, and everybody starts exactly the same place. That's not life, okay? There are many of us that start way farther back in the pack than what we would like to start. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, okay? But uh, we don't start at the same place, and we don't uh, a lot of times have the same upbringing, or we have the same resources, or we have the same whatever. We start from different places, but we're all kind of trying to get to the same spot. And so how do we get there? So that's what we're talking about here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, if you don't have your Bibles, of course, we have the uh, Scripture on the screen for you as well. Uh, John chapter 4, this is uh, a, a fairly famous uh, story. All of these one-on-one conversations are fairly fairly famous. And so many people call this one um, the, the story of the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. That just happened, that happens to be what I call it, is the, is the woman at the well. And so this is, this is a good story, okay? So this is Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman at the well. So let's get started. John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. It says, he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria on his way. Now real quick, uh, for those of you who, who 
don't know a lot about Israel back 2,000 years ago. There was a, a portion of land called Samaria that kind of separated Israel a little bit. And so there were people on the north side of Israel that were traveling down south or south, traveling up toward the north. And they, the, the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. And the Samaritans people did not like the Jewish people. So it was kind of like, stay out of our land. And the Jewish people were like, we don't want to go to your land anyway. So they would always go around Samaria whenever they were wanting to go south or they were wanting... They go, they go around it, okay? So similar to if, if you're wanting to travel in Houston, you're like, I can't deal with the traffic. I'm just going 99. I'm going around, you know? I'm just, forget those people. I don't like y'all anyway, I'm, you know? So that's, that, that's kind of like what we do. We, we, it takes longer, but I'm just not dealing with the traffic, okay? And so we're just going around. So that's what these uh, many Jewish people, they would do, is that they would go around. Shockingly, not Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is like, yeah, here's what everybody else is doing. Here's what I'm going to do. We're walking through Samaria, okay? I know I'm supposed to, but here we go. Verse 5, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So noontime's going to come into play here in just a little bit. But first, real quick, real quick, um, he says that Jesus was tired from the long walk. And this is one of the things that sometimes we lose. We believe that Jesus was 100% divine, which means God. He is 100% human as well. And you know what? He got tired. Anybody, anybody in this room tired? You can't go to sleep. I'm preaching, okay? Take your nap later. People get tired. People get tired sometimes. And Jesus got tired. And so it, it, once again, this is just kind of a reminder, Jesus went through all the stuff that we went through, Okay? He went through all the stuff that we went through. Simply put, he was tired. Verse 7. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So this Samaritan woman was well aware of the cultural taboos of the day. She knew, you don't talk to us, we don't talk to you. This was not like a secret. Everybody knew this. They didn't like each other, okay? And this was a big deal, first of all, at least especially in that time, that a male was talking to a female out in public. That was actually kind of tabooish enough. But the fact that it was a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman, this is like, whoa, okay? This is like cancel culture. This is like Jesus' old tweets coming back, you know? And it's like, he talked to a Samaritan woman, you know? Cancel culture would be all over Jesus right now, okay? <laughs> this is, the, the, you don't do this. I'm going to throw this watch away. Um, so this is not what you're supposed to do. He didn't care about the cultural taboos of his day. He cared about his mission. And his mission was people. And he was going after to see people. Verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. This is sometimes the things that, that we as Christians, when we're talking to non-Christians, we're kind of like, if you only knew the life that he has for you, if, if you only knew the deliverance, if you only knew the grace, if you only knew, and this is Jesus, if you only knew who you're talking to, okay, 
you would be asking me for a water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Okay, so this is one of those deals which happen fairly often, not just in this story. But Jesus very often is talking about stuff up here, and the Samaritan woman and other people in Scripture is talking about stuff down here. And that's what many of us do, is that we talk about things that we know about, or think that we know about, okay? And so she thinks we're talking about water, okay? So since we're talking about water, you need a rope, and you need a bucket, and we've got well water, and Jesus is like, I'm not talking about that water. I'm talking about stuff up here, okay? And that sometimes is the, is the disconnect is because, but between us and Jesus because he's talking about things up here, but we want to talk about stuff down here. But God, I got this going on and this problem, and, but you don't know what's going on in my life, and la, la, la. And Jesus is like, yes, I do. I can see. <laughs> like, I can see what's going on, okay? But I want to take you up here. I want to talk about stuff up here. You're the one down here talking about rope and buckets and well water. I'm going to talk about this stuff up here. Jesus replied, verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within, within them, giving them eternal life. So he's talking about this up here. I'm not talking about ropes and buckets and well water. I'm talking about a water that bubbles up inside of us that leads to eternal life. I'm not talking about this stuff down here. It's kind of like what we talked about last week that, uh, with the rich young ruler, that you could have all of this stuff, this temporary stuff, well, you'll thirst again, or you'll want the next iPhone, or you'll want the next whatever, and you want more stuff and more stuff, and this new stuff that I have now, I'm not going to like it in six months. You can talk about this earthly stuff if you want to, but Jesus is talking about this stuff over here. He's talking about eternal life, and he's talking about more than just temporary. He's talking about eternal stuff. So he says, why would you choose temporary earthly things when you can have this spiritual life that I give you that lasts eternity? Not just the length of your time here on earth, but over here. What, what was interesting is that in that time, the Jewish people, they considered Samaritans unclean. So even if she had drawn him water and offered it to him, by law, he couldn't drink it anyway because it was unclean, because it was offered from a Samaritan woman. So by law, he couldn't do it. And if he had drunk it, well, if a normal Jewish person had drunk it, he would have to go be ceremonially unclean, which means he would be excommunicated for seven days away from the synagogue. He couldn't talk to anybody else until the uncleanliness wore off. Okay? <laughs> they, th they thought horribly about the Samaritans. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay? So for seven days, Jesus couldn't go to the synagogue or anything else. Okay? But just like the leper we talked about two weeks ago, the woman's uncleanliness was not going to transfer to Jesus. It was the other way around. Jesus' righteousness was going to transfer to her. And see, he doesn't care about her uncleanliness. 
He doesn't care about our uncleanliness, what we did 30 years ago, the the past that we have, how many times we failed him, uh, uh, the times that we've wronged other people and him. The uncleanliness does not bother him. It bothers us because we look around and we don't look at people in the eye and we're unclean and whatever else. The uncleanliness does not bother Jesus. Jesus' power and his righteousness covers any kind of uncleanliness that we have. So he doesn't care about the woman's uncleanliness. It's not going to transfer to him anyway. But his righteousness is made to transfer to her. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Okay, so this <laughs> this is funny. Again, she's over here still thinking about water. Give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well here, okay? I don't have to come with my bucket and my rope and my well water. One of the reasons why she didn't want to do that is because, as mentioned earlier, she came in noontime. Well, that's not the time to go get water, noontime. That's the hottest part of the day. Typically, the ladies would go to the well early in the morning or late at night to collect well water because you don't want to get out in the hot of the day to get this. She was out at noontime. Why was she out at noontime? Because she didn't want to be out with the other ladies in the city because she was unclean. And I'll tell you why she was unclean here in just a second. Jesus says, go and get your husband. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. (laughs) So Jesus says, yeah, I, I know, I know that you're not married. In fact, you've been married five times. Five times would be a lot today, by the way. Sorry, I I didn't do any research with anybody here in the room, but I'm just saying, five times would be a lot today. Five times was a million times 2,000 years ago, okay? She went out, think about this, she's sitting in her home watching all the other women who were going out to get the well water at 8 a.m. when you're supposed to. So they leave when all of them are gone so that she's safe from going out so that she doesn't get the stares from other ladies. She doesn't get, you know, the little from other ladies because of her uncleanliness. Everybody knows about this woman. She goes out at noontime when you're not supposed to do it. This woman was an outcast, a complete and total outcast. The Jewish people didn't want to talk to her. The Samaritan people didn't want to talk to her. Nobody wanted to talk to this woman. Anybody ever felt this way? Don't raise your hand or your husband's hand, okay? You're an outcast. This woman was an outcast. And Jesus speaks to her. She did not grasp the spiritual implications that that was going on. So to overcome the spiritual barrier, Jesus directed her to her sin. See, there is a barrier. As we are talking about earthly things down here, he's talking about spiritual things up here. The reason for the barrier is there's sin that's right here. The sin separates us. And so even though we want to get to Jesus, we keep hitting this barrier of sin. And what Jesus does is he's going to point her right to her sin so that he can righteously wipe that away so that she can have access to the Father. You see how that works? 
So there's a spiritual barrier that all of us have, not just this woman have. And we're always down here in the mud talking about earthly stuff. But once we get past this spiritual barrier that only his righteousness can take away, then we have access to the Father. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Okay, so this... Um, Samaritan woman is now just like all of us. What every human being has ever done in the history of ever, if they don't understand something or they're caught in their sin, they deflect and change the subject, which is exactly what this woman did. Bring your husband out. Well, I don't have any. Oh, well, um, you know, you Jews say we're supposed to worship over here. It's like complete deflection. Complete, let's change the subject, okay? If someone were to ask you, how's your marriage? Oh, well, boy, the Mastros play later. Uh, it's like, we'll talk about anything else but the stuff that we get caught with, right? She is all of us at this point. She's completely changing the subject, okay? Verse 21. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. What Jesus says, the mountain isn't the issue. Where you worship isn't the issue. The worshiper is. And who is the worshiper going to worship? That is the question of the day. Are you going to worship what you know and what you understand and what is temporary and feels good for a short amount of time? Or are you going to worship the one that wipes away this spiritual barrier, allows us to go to the Father and eternal life with him in heaven? That's the question. Are you going to focus on this or are you going to focus on that? What are you going to focus on? But the time is coming, verse 23. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. He's talking about stuff up here. We're talking about physical stuff. But he's spirit, so he's talking about stuff up here. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's what we are supposed to worship in him, spirit and truth. We don't worry, we're not supposed to worry too much about the physical, we worry about the, phys- the spiritual and then in truth. And most of the time when he's talking about truth, that truth is a mirror looking at us. Be truthful with yourself. Where are you in this? Not what everybody else thinks that you are, but worshiping in spirit and truth means focusing on God and not physical things, but spiritual things like grace, love, and mercy, but in truth, knowing who we are in Christ. Knowing who we are without Christ and knowing who we are in Christ. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. What is going on in her mind? (laughs) You mean this dude that I've been talking to? (laughs) This guy that's talking to me about stuff I have no idea? Okay, that might make sense. This guy that I'm talking to, you're the Messiah? I mean, what is going on in her mind? 
Jews won't talk to her. Samaritans won't talk to her. The Messiah, the Savior of the world will talk to me. (laughs) And that's all of us too. That's all of us too. So-and-so won't talk to me. Family disown me. I've got no friends. The Savior of the world wants a conversation with you. (laughs) He says, I am the Messiah. What a contrast in stories, by the way, of the chapter before, what we haven't talked through. You know, we're talking about one-on-one conversations, and there's a one-on-one conversation in the chapter of before, John chapter 3, where Jesus talks to a man named Nicodemus. We're not even talking about Nicodemus in this whole series, but Jesus had a pretty important one-on-one conversation with Nicodemus. How many of you know this story? Even if you don't know the story of Nicodemus, you've heard of John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, God be, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Non-Christians know that verse, Okay. What is amazing is this story that we're not even dissecting really, but for the most part we we know this story of Nicodemus and the story of the Samaritan woman. The two stories couldn't be any further apart. Nicodemus was a man. The Samaritan was a woman. Nicodemus was a Jew. The woman was a Samaritan. Nicodemus was considered righteous. The woman was a sinner. Nicodemus was a respected rabbi. The woman was an outcast. Nicodemus approached Jesus. Jesus approached the Samaritan woman. The two stories are polar opposite. However, they each had the chance to receive what Jesus had to offer. If you want to get to Jesus, I wouldn't start where the Samaritan started. (laughs) I would want to start where the Nicodemus started. But not all of us have the privilege and the ability to start where Nicodemus started. Some of us, we have to start way back here at the back of the line with the Samaritan. But you notice that how different the stories are, they both wound up at the same finish line in in a moment, in a conversation with Jesus. Will you receive what I have to offer, is what Jesus says. And Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman at the same time received. And they were with Jesus. It doesn't matter how far back in the pack we start. It's do you accept Jesus. It doesn't matter what has happened in our past versus, well, this guy's perfect. He's probably close to Jesus. It happens exactly the same. They both come together at the exact same time time. All we have to do is accept Jesus. Put aside this earthly stuff, this temporary stuff, and focus in spirit and in truth. There is a friend that I want you to meet. Her name is Dee LaCarter. She told part of her testimony um, a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night. We have a small group uh, that meets here, and she told part of her testimony that is just an incredible story Especially as she says, she, she said that she felt unworthy of the presence of God, but she received the presence of God anyway. So watch this testimony of my friend Dela Carter. Oh, about three years ago, I went to Thailand, and on my third day there, I had an accident. And I ended up in the hospital in Bangkok for two weeks before they could transfer me back to the United States. 
I had sustained a fracture to my right wrist, an open fracture to my left leg, in which they had put an um, external fixator, a uh, head injury, and a busted knee, and just multiple bruises on the left side, because I landed on my left side. Um, I was totally bedridden when, I, when they put me there. I depended on others for my daily needs. And I'm not used to that. I'm a person that's always on the go and always, I had been real healthy up until then. So it was a big ordeal for me. It was like, I was in bad shape. Um, there was one nurse there who spoke a little bit of English, but other than that, it was gestures. That's how we communicated. I mean, we had no way of communicating when she wasn't there. So that was a big problem. So I had never in my life been in that condition and in that situation ever. So I was feeling pretty bad at the time, but, but I would not trade that for anything in the world, nothing. Because it was during those two weeks that I experienced the kind of peace that I have never experienced in my whole life, never. The peace, it just didn't make any sense considering the condition that I was in and the situation that I was in, but uh, it was just undeniable. That peace just kind of, it kind of just like overtook me for two weeks. For two weeks, I was just in so much peace. And at the same time, I, I felt God's presence so strongly, so strongly, that I felt like he was there with me, you know, standing by my bedside, directing my care, because my care was good. So I know God did that. And um, his presence was so overwhelming that I just felt like I could reach out and touch him. Of course, I couldn't do that, but that's how strong his presence was, that I felt like I could go over my side grill with my hand and touch him. To think that my God loved me so much <laughs> that he allowed me to feel his presence so strongly. Me, I'm so undeserving of his love, but yet he allowed me to feel his presence so strong when I needed it the most. And at the time that at the time that I was in my darkest moment, because I've never been through that, he he overtook me with this peace. So my God never left me. Just as he promises in his word, he never left me. <clears throat> Two weeks bedridden in a hospital where you couldn't speak English. How frustrating and scary that should have been for her. And if I was to get to Jesus, that's not where I would have started. <laughs> I would have wanted to start anywhere else but there. But Jesus was so close that she felt like she could reach out and touch him. And then when she says that she felt so unworthy, 
so unworthy. Don't we feel like that sometimes? Feel unworthy of his love? And Yeah, you healed that person, but I understand that because, well, I mean, they're great. Me. We feel so unworthy because of many things. But many times it's because of our past, what we've been through, where we've come from, maybe even the sins that we've committed. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus cares more about your future than he does your past. Your past does not scare him. Your, your past might scare you. Your, your past might give you hesitation or make you feel unworthy. He doesn't care about that. This Samaritan woman, he cared more about her future than he did her past. She kept bringing up the past. In fact, that's all she wanted to talk about. The woman was shocked that he talked to her because that's not how Jewish men have treated her in the past. She thought that you got water from a rope in a bucket because that's how they've always done it in the past. She believed that Jacob was greater than Jesus. Why? Because he's from the past. She wanted to know where you worship because her ancestors told her where to worship in the past. She's always focused on the past. And is that us today? Does our, do you feel like your past makes you unworthy of God's love or His grace or His forgiveness or, or even heaven one day? Is there sin in our life that we look back and we just can't get past it? I can't believe I did that 20 years ago. Two days ago, it doesn't matter. We feel like we can't get past it. Maybe for you, it's, it's not even sin. It's something in your past, but it's not a sin thing. It's that thing that happened to you that you just can't seem to get past it because everything in your life is revolved around that moment. And if that hadn't happened, then this could have happened. You know, if I had made this decision in my past, things would be different. You know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, if that hadn't been done to me, then none of this would have happened. You know, if I had gotten this, if I had gotten that, if I hadn't been looked over for the promotion, oh, my life would be better. If they hadn't treated me this way, if COVID had never happened, there's all this in the past. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing your tough times, but what I'm saying is, is that it doesn't have to distort your future. Christ's power is so powerful, it brings us above our past. And it moves us into an everlasting future with him. Jesus says, you want to talk about the past? Okay, let's talk about your past. Bring your husband out here. Oh, you want to change the subject? Because you don't want to talk about the past. If we don't want to talk about the past, then stop talking about it. If it's so awful and it's so terrible, then it's time to move beyond it. Jesus kept talking about the future. He kept saying the time is coming and has now come. God wants to bring you living water that bubbles up with inside us. He says, I am the Messiah here to save the world. I care more about your future than I do your past. Part of the power of God is releasing your past and moving forward to God's future. God has such an amazing future for you, and it's time that we let go of the past in our life. That could be sin. That could be just life, what happened to you. It's time to move past it. And listen, I'm talking about this on an individual, on an individual level, but I'm talking about this at a church level as well. 
I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't care as much about what happened eight months ago or eight years ago here at Friendship as I do care about what is going to happen in the next eight months, in the next eight years. Right? Doesn't that matter? Like, where are we going? Where are we going as a church? Like, I understand we learn from the past and that we honor the past, but where are we going? That's more important. Where are we going? And if it's more important in the church's life, well, how? it's important for you as well. It's important in our individual life. It's time for us to look past our past. And it's time for us to accept this future that God has for us. If you would stand this morning, and we're going to go into a time of prayer. We've already had it for three weeks, and here's the fourth week. We're having a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. Listen, you're not here to come up and talk to me. You're coming to talk to Jesus. Jesus is the one that saved you. Let's talk to Jesus. So I'm going to give you two, two choices here today of what you can pray about. Number one, you're here, and you say, you know, I, I, there's some similarities with me and that Samaritan woman where I have this past, maybe it's sin, maybe it's not, but there's something in my past that I just, I just can't quite get past it. And I need God to move me into that future. I'm tired of talking about earthly stuff and what happened then. I want to start talking about heavenly stuff and living water and eternal life. I want to move there. And so that's your one-on-one conversation with Jesus. Jesus, this is my past. This is, this is it. I'm moving past and I'm moving forward. If you're the second person here today, you say, just to be honest with you, that's not really my hang-up. That's not my, my, the past is not my hang-up. But I do want to move forward. So then your prayer is to pray for you and to pray for Friendship Church for the next eight months, for the next eight years. What's coming up? And God, help me to find this future that you have for me. Does that make sense? So let's find a place to pray. One, two, three, go. Find a place to pray. And you have your one-on-one conversation with Jesus. You say, I need to talk about the past and I need to get past it. I need to get past the past. God, I'm sorry for this, but Lord, that happened so long ago. I've got to move forward. I've got to move beyond that. And we're going to believe that the power of God is above anything that has happened in our past. Or you're here today and you say, I just want the future for myself, for this church. I want to see what God has in the future. Then that's what you pray about. One-on-one conversation. God, how do I fit in this future of Friendship Church? Where do I go? What do I do? I want to be led by you. And let's take several minutes and let's pray and let's talk to the Lord this morning.